to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Stock. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything within her at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. Today, I am joined by the, uh, I guess, CEO. Is that your title? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'll go CEO. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick. Oh, Patrick, leader from Leader Games. <laughs> All right, maybe we should drop the Patrick thing. <laughs> <laughs> that might get a little difficult. <laughs> it might get a little difficult. So, yeah, so I'm the uh, owner and, uh, and CEO of Leader Games. Yeah, good to have you. I'm excited to get to chat with you. Thank you. I'm excited to chat with you. I was looking for recent interviews, and it looks like you haven't done anything for like two, three years. No, you, uh, you did something last year. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did an interview with Kickstarter on their um, on their website. I did a. I did a. I, saw, I, I popped a Benadryl, and then I did an interview. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost had to take one today, but it was, I, I refrained. Um, yeah, so I was. I was a little. I, I liked my answers and went back and reread them, but I was like, this is it's a little out there. So but that's fine. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Hey, it's fun, right? That's yeah. keep it interesting. Yeah. Keep your uh the it was, it was a written interview. I don't know if I saw that one. Uh it was it was a written interview. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. So I didn't read that yeah. one then. My bad. So yeah. uh no, yeah. So actually, yeah, he just sent me the questions and then I I uh I wrote out answers to them. I no, 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 no. That's not right. Because I just said he interviewed me. Yeah, he interviewed me, and then he wrote out the answers, and then I was allowed to look at them. So that was fun. As int- I always wonder on those, like, sometimes it seems like I got interviewed once, and they just sent me the questions. I typed up the answers, and they printed it as is. But I know that sometimes it's like an actual conversation, and I'm always like, well, why don't you record the conversation and release it? You know, <laughs> like, wouldn't it be cool to be able to hear it? Um, well, it's friend, friend of the read, I guess. So that's true. What have you been up to? What have you been uh, working on lately? <laughs> well, let's geez, let's get right into that right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So we had um, so like half, you know, not half, but part of my job is managing the company, and um, we had two departures this summer. Um, not totally amicable. People were just moving on to new new opportunities. And so a lot of my summer has just been figuring out how to restructure those two positions because they're really close to each other. So it gave us an opportunity to kind of rebuild the team how we wanted to instead of reacting to what was going on. Uh, unfortunately, that was all of our, most of our production knowledge uh, left at, at that moment. And so um, uh, we've been kind of uh, rebuilding from that and, and work, working that out. So it took a while to hire, and um, we have one person that just started with us. Uh, Ann Kenner uh, last started last week, and they are 
kind of picking up the ropes and picking up the pieces and p- putting everything back together. So, uh, so that, you know, that it sounds easy when you hire <laughs> to, says no one that's actually experienced hiring. Um, and it's, it's just taken up a lot of time. I had to review, um, a lot fewer candidates than usual. I think that's just a sign of the economy in Minnesota right now. Um, but you know, you still have to redo that. And I had to, my dil- due diligence was to interview a couple of people and, and, and check out what was going, the landscape, what was going on. And, um, yeah, so I took care of that. Um, so that, and, uh, I, uh, like creatively I've been working on, um, a, so I'm kind of at a phase right now in the company where I can, like they, they kind of joke about no one's going to pay you for your ideas, but like, I'm kind of at the point where I can just generate ideas and um, I will work on a prototype for a while. And kind of the theory is if that hooks into the company, like if people like what I'm working on, then we can, we can move it over to development and people start working on what I'm working on. Um, and that's had some downsides and that is I've scrapped a lot of projects <laughs> lately. Uh, so over you know, during the COVID during COVID times, I worked on a few different games and shelved a few different games and uh, just decided maybe the market wasn't ready for them. Maybe it wasn't bearing the fruit I was hoping it was bearing. Um, but I think it was a good time for me to kind of regroup as a designer. I had really, I des- I worked on Vast and I worked on the last two root expansions as a designer and that was with a lot of help and you know, vast. I did a lot by myself, but I also didn't have to manage people during the same timeline. And with the root expansions, there was a lot of generation of content and then other people work on it. And so this for me, has been kind of a like moment to kind of regroup and maybe change my skills a little bit, sharpen my skills a little bit, learn, learn my own craft a little bit because I just haven't had time in the last couple of years to work on them. So I, I like, it's hard for my ego because I, I had to set down a lot of projects, but also it's been good for me because I'm much sharper than I was even 18 months ago as a designer. So, um, but what I'm actually working on is I'm working on a game um, that I started kind of before Vast came into my life. So when I met David Somerville, the original creator of Vast, he said, I asked, I made him an offer for Vast. I said, I can publish this for you if you want. And he initially refused, which was in no no ill will there. He he had the right reasons to refuse, and so I asked him, "Can you teach me how to do how to make what you're doing a fast? Can you teach me how to make an asymmetric game also?" And so the game I started working at the time was a, turned into a large tree in my in my creative career, and some of that went into another design, what that resulted in, and some of it went into this idea that like uh, that I had where like. I wanted an open world adventure game where the players would shape their victory conditions as the game went on and, and kind of create the open world experience that they wanted to in the middle of the game. And, and so there was some asymmetric principles to that kind of the way that arcs ended up being asymmetric in that as the campaign progresses or as the game progresses, you end up with sharply different th- ways that you're earning points. Um, but I, you know, and I don't want to make an arcs comparison. Like arcs is very unique and, and has a lot of structure to it, but um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what I ended up pursuing. I set that project down a couple of years ago because Vast gave my life and I wanted to work on Vast. 
And, um, but recently I picked it back up. So, and one of the, like the weird byproducts of that process has been that, I mean, it is a byproduct because it's based on this earlier design that David and I are working on was that, um, at the time I had generated this like world of these fantasy races that were going to be fighting each other or competing with, uh, competing. And it was, um, like root, it was, um, the factions were very asymmetric, but unlike root I had made, I made it more like vast where the, the groups had like very sudden death victory conditions instead of being for points like root is. And, and the movement of the pieces is more chess like. And so like one of the pieces, for instance, was a giant and it wasn't, you would move into someone's space and battle them. You would just squish other players pieces as you walk through their space. So, and that, and that kind of thing. Uh, and he had to like, find his sheep he had a flock of sheep on the map and he had to bring them all back to the pasture and so you can't squish them you have to pick them up and carry them back but other players are hunting the sheep and um so that was that was built up with fantasy races and at the time kyle farron said i don't really want to draw another fantasy game right now i just got completed fast we, we were talking about putting it in the schedule um can i draw i'm really good at anthropomorphic animals can i draw those so we started mapping the factions onto anthropomorphic animals and um as i shoved the game like a couple months later a year later cole was looking at those drawings and had already had his own date ideas for how to make a setting with anthropomorphic animals and so that's that was kind of the genesis of like he said let's do this art style for for root and then root came out of it so what's happening then is basically path is now in the root universe because it's that's its art and and i'm not like i'm not trying to claim any ownership of root that is that is cole's design um but like so now like the question is do we continue doing that so is path going to be a game about the root universe or are we just going to retheme it um and so that's that's what i've been working on is is getting that open world game where the players can kind of build their own their own uh, victory condition uh as they go and, and that's caught that concept has softened quite a bit but i'm still making an open world game and i'm trying to make an open world game in which the players can kind of pursue their own like it's it's open world instead of having a bunch of quests come to you at the beginning of the game there is some of that but there is much more like i'm gonna go over here and explore how to get points with these people where i'm gonna you know i'm gonna explore how to become famous with these people and so you see the root factions in play and you develop relationships with them kind of like how the vagabond does in root um and so that's that's what i've been working on is is building this uh, very open world game where the players hook into the plot the way that they want to instead of having things thrown at them and none of this i don't i didn't want to make a game and i all due respect to those games i play plenty of those games but i didn't want to make a game where you go to a space and draw a card to see what happens and so like basically all this my best comparison is instead of drawing a card and saying you're fighting a dragon now, you draw a card that says there's a dragon over here. Do you want to go interact with it? And so that's that's kind of your, that's how you play the game is is by finding hooks into the plot and then just and then choosing to exploit them. So so I'm working on that. And then um, I also joke about what I call the evening shift, where uh, when I'm at home I'll still design games, uh, you know, and I'll I'll work on smaller games that might be testing ideas that I want to work on. Um. Or just like I'm just trying to learn from it, and maybe I'll take some of some of what comes out of that playtesting and put it into my main 
the main work I'm doing. And so I've, I've been doing uh, those games also. I don't think I'll talk about any of those though, because they're a little bit more personal <laughs> right now. So, but you might <laughs> totally see one fair. in the next couple of years. Uh, so I've been, I've been working on those. That's awesome. Do yeah. With those games, you know, you're not talking specifics here, but did your family help you out play test? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I play test. And then, um, yeah, and then I go to, you know, I have a couple like play testers at homes, you know, not at home, but like, you know, friends that come over and they, they'll play those with me. And then I'll, um, I'll, I'll play with other game designers in the community that I help play test also. Um, and it, it's interesting because they also give me the space to explore, I think, leader games. Path is a reflection of this. Root arcs, oath, are a certain level of complexity and a certain level of interaction, a certain style of interaction. And my home group, the group I role play with on Saturdays, doesn't maybe necessarily like, the, ironically, the things that I publish. I mean, they do. They like them. They play them. But they're more into since they're a role playing group. They're more into like a cooperative story and not maybe that tight of a victory uh, victory race. And so this gives me an opportunity to explore games that are a little bit lighter in that sense, that it's more about the narrative and less about the, um, and less about players clubbing each other over the head. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've, we definitely have played root. We've played tested root. They helped me play tested new factions when I was working on them. Um, but, but at the same time, if I brought them a cooperative game, um, they would be more into that. I mean, we, we, you know, as a, as a group, when we're not role-playing, we're up to like mission 48 of the original crew. So uh, oh, we're, wow, nice. we're about to finish the original crew, which yeah. is, I'm sure other people have done it. It's just, that's the kind of thing that they like is they like that, that sort of cooperative play. So, and I might be working on something that is like in the same, like, I, I'm not trying to remake the crew and I'm definitely not trying to make a, tr- a cooperative trick taking game, but that level of cooperation where it's about, not being able to communicate common goals is is kind of that space I'm exploring right now with one of my with one of my games because I want to I want to pursue that with them when we're done with the crew. So yeah, yeah, I love that because I mean I think a lot of people will be playing a game and then feel like oh this is really interesting if I were to make this game I would do this twist on it or right yeah 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 form yeah. into yeah. something completely different yeah and I wouldn't dare go after trick taking at this point because the crew has got that locked down. And there's a lot of other good trick, uh, competitive trick takers that just came out. So um, I'm yeah. a lot. Cat in the Sack, I think is no Cat in the, not Cat in the Sack. What's the? I'm looking right at it. Come on. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Cat in the Box about the it's the trick taking game where there's no the cards have no suits, and when you play oh. the card, you announce what suit it is and block that space off on a board, and then the other players can attempt to play in the same suit, but they have to, you know, they have to, so the, basically the deck will get more restrictive as the game goes on. Cause you can't play a space that's been blocked. So like you might, even like, this is a seven green and someone else might come along and say, this is a nine green, but that's the last nine green you're going to have for that hand basically. So it's like they have suits, but they're not dealt to you. You have to, you have to kind of manipulate that board too. So I haven't played it yet, but I hear a lot of good things about it. So, yeah, I haven't even heard of that one, so I have to check it out. I uh, trick taking yeah. doesn't always hit with me, but it, it's it's hit or miss. Like the crew, I love, but yeah. I only get to like mission ten or twelve with groups, and then I have to restart with a new group. <laughs> so hopefully one day I actually get to fifty. Yeah, to fifty, and then there's a second crew if you're done with the mission fifty. So yeah, which we we play that one in the office once in a while so oh nice yeah, yeah. how often do you as a 
crew get to a crew. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> how often do you all get together and play other games? Oh, uh, personally, like in real life or yeah. like at the company or even online uh, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I actually, I've fought really hard to maintain, um, uh, like a group on Saturdays to come, like a group that comes over and plays on Saturday. And my, my spouse is joint rejoining us when we play board games. She doesn't like role playing, but it was tough because we have two kids. And so the, there's always that, like that study drip of like, it would be easier if I wasn't doing this Saturday. Like, you know, there's other things we could be doing. Uh, and, you know, and there's, there's, there's been some, you know, there has to be some give there, but, um, but I, I've worked really hard to maintain those friendships and to maintain that the, the people coming over every Saturday. So I, I get to play uh, games fairly often. I, when I'm in a hot, like, especially during the end of COVID, we didn't play a lot of new games. Um, and so I was kind of horrified when I got back and realized how behind I was in playing new games. But we did do a lot of role playing. We did play um, through Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion during the pandemic. I bought a copy, but then we played on TTS because we weren't getting together yet. So mm. uh, that was our that was our uh, that was our campaign game that we could handle. We tried playing um, Fifth Edition on Roll Twenty, and I, you know, all respect to the people that built that software and set it up, but I just didn't feel like I was playing a role playing game, talking over Discord or whatever. Like it was. It had nothing to do with the product. It had everything to do with just not being able to see the people, not being able to respond to what they're doing and saying or how they looked or, or you know, if they're bored or not, you know, like it was just, I just got really frustrated role playing online. So um, I, I gave it up. I did eventually find a way to do it that I liked, uh, but it's still, I just, it's not, it's nothing compared to the real thing. So, and then yeah. the studio, uh, the studio we try and bring in, we've had some like spells, especially where I think we're about to head into one because arcs like finishing up arcs development is going to get pretty serious but we'll still meet once or twice a week and play other people's games um and try it and try and play in the studio so we play the crew we have played the crew in the studio that was kind of like a beginning of summer that was kind of a big one um uh the guy that does our accounting uh ted kaya uh, our director of finances he and i used to we were we played like like two weeks ago we played spirit island every day (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, I remember watching you like post pictures on Twitter. That's yeah, my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. game. So yeah, yeah. I, and I, I really like that game. Um, it's it's a weird. It's a ah, it's. I'm not going to talk about Spirit Island. What I do and do not like about Spirit Island, but uh, I did. I do like it enough that I played it every day. So that's yeah. that's what I'll say. And I, I even like after playing it all week, I brought it home and said, I said to my wife, "Let's play a game." And so we played a game of Spirit Island together. Um, How did she feel about it? Pretty rare for us just to play a game on a on a random Tuesday. Um, oh, she liked it. Yeah, she liked she likes okay. she likes that one. She she kind of bounced off it at first because of the complexity of the card interaction with each other, um, and I think that was more just an issue of finding the spirit a spirit that it was a little bit more clear cut how to use the powers in combination with each other to to do the you know to do the to do the thing and she just kind of locked into one like she was playing one and she's like this this works for me like i can you know in her own way she um she said this works for me i can play this, play this yeah so, it was also like a really good like i was playing the spirit i was playing i just like locked into this amazing combo and was just kind of melting our my half of the board so it was also just a positive experience because we we're like really we got really far ahead so um so that was good for us but 
That's yeah. Awesome. So so yeah. So we play that in the studio, uh, you know, and of course, uh, everybody here is responsible for playing everyone else's games. So everyone, I you know, I have a little bit of wiggle room on that because any anybody designing gets a little bit of wiggle room on that because they have the I should be working on path at least 30 hours a week right now. And, uh, and so, you know, I, sometimes I just have to be like, well, I did 15 hours of, you know, X operations stuff. So I got to get, you know, I, I don't say that literally. I just say, no, I'm not going to help with arcs, arcs testing, but, yeah. uh, so yeah, so we all do arcs testing. Uh, I can grab people to do path testing when I want to. Um, and then, uh, Nick who has been working on a couple side projects also. Um, he, you know, he can pull people for play testing. So that's, everyone's expected to participate in it. Nobody gets, Nobody gets out, but I mean, why would you want to? It's you get to come to work and play a game for, for your job, and it, you know, and it, of course, it can be frustrating because you know you have duties to get done, and and you know, here you are playing a game for two hours, but and then discussing it for another hour. But that's uh, that's how it goes sometimes. So it's all part of the job. It's all part of the job. You're, that's right. You're playing games and giving feet. You're helping to shape the games and <laughs> contribute as a team. I think that's uh, the yeah. dream. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And it's really, it's really good for us because I, fortunately we have a group that kind of, we have consensus about what we like across the company. And there's definitely folks that work here that are more casual gamers than what we're putting out, but they still like our games. And so I think it's good that we can kind of gain consensus about what we're doing that way, that everybody can kind of shape the, shape the future of the design a little bit by giving comments or, or whatever. So it can be vexing too, because sometimes you're like, that's not what I'm making, but uh, we'll try and figure out how to work with you. So, but that's compromise. So. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, feedback is always a fun, tricky thing when making yeah. games. So, yep. Um, well, how big is your team? Uh, yeah, in so, Minnesota, at least. Yeah, so we're in Minnesota. We're mostly in Minnesota. We have three remote. We have three remote employees. Um, have to like check. I'm a parent of a toddler and I also have a puppy. So my memory's going a little bit. Um, yeah. So we, uh, so we were at uh, 14 at the beginning of summer. And like I said, two folks left. So we're now back. We hired somebody. So we're back to 13, um, including myself. And uh, I'm like uh, about half that team works on the creative side. So Cole manages that team and it has a couple of graphic designers uh, developer, um, rules editor, and uh, Kyle Farron works for us directly, and uh, so an illustrator. And then the Kyle's other half, here. In, oh, I'm in Utah, so it's yeah, Kyle's yeah, yeah, here yeah. In Kyle's Utah. in Utah. Yep, Kyle's okay, in Utah. And uh, Josh Yearsley works in um, out of Massachusetts, and he does all of our. And it's it's kind of a strength because he does a lot of um, his specialty is doing all the usability testing for the games, in addition to doing the editing, and he more supervises editing at this point. And he works with some contractors to get the editing done correctly, but it, he'll do, he does some of it. And um, he has his own unique set of play testers for that. And so that, that's kind of, it's kind of an advantage for us to, to have them remote like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the other half of the team is just folks that do, you know, finance the production part. Uh, we have a few folks in customer service. And then of course uh, we have to sell and market things at the end of the day. So we have those, we have those people too. <laughs> so. uh, it, that's a lot to manage. I mean, do you, how do you. <laughs> <laughs> I abdicate all responsibility is my secret. Now I, uh, 
I mean, though, though, I mean, that is the truth. Though, is I've been careful about when I hire, I make sure that everyone um, is is capable of being autonomous for some period of time, and um, and so I slowly over the years, I've moved from the stance that I was managing everybody to now, basically, Cole manages um, creative and then operations. Um, we're kind of in transition with that, but, uh, you know, Carol manages uh, a lot of the people on the, on the, uh, on the operation side. So okay. that was part of our push was to hire someone to handle the executive direction of operations. And, um, I just didn't connect with the right candidates. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put that job back up in a couple of months and see what I can figure out. Uh, see what I can find. If I decide to do it, I'm, I'm still, I'm still thinking about that. So, yeah, but basically I have only three direct reports at this point. It's uh, Carol, Nicole, and then the director of finance is outside of that whole system too. So yeah, and that's how I do it. And then I just depend on the teams to, to manage themselves. And I'm, I, I, you know, I used to be a programmer. So I'm used to environments where you're kind of self-directed anyway, um, because there just isn't, the management of IT folks is not as mature as, you know, as a concept, as a business concept. And so I think there's a lot of, there just isn't a lot of um, management there. And I, by design too, because I think IT folks tend to be a little bit more self-directed in that sense. Uh, and so I think they would, I know I would, if I, if anyone was managing very strictly, I would be, it just would not fit with the culture you need to do proper uh, software development. So um for me, I, I mean, I'm sure there there are. Yeah, I did work in one shop as a consultant that was very very managed and it was very efficient, um, <laughs> but but it was a very different place to work. So, and I didn't mind working there. It was just it was just just different. All used to, yeah, I'm just, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did my working there because the company got sold four months into my contract and then turned turned oh. into, into a new organization. We'll say. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I learned from that. Um, I learned, you know, and like when I worked at the college, uh, you know, my managers there were pretty hands off and just as long as things were getting done and, you know, then things were getting done, they'd come talk to you. And so I've been kind of, that's kind of how I learned to manage. And I think that's a good style for, for this particular industry. I cannot, I, every job that anyone has here, I've had at some point, except for maybe graphic design and, and maybe I guess editing. I mean, I haven't, I haven't done any, like I haven't, I would never publish anything I wrote. We'll say it that way. Um, but, <laughs> but I've done the sales part. I've done the, you know, I've managed the logistics and managed the, uh, the um, uh, production. I've, you know, game design, obviously. And, and so like for me to have that active knowledge to be able to manage everyone that closely would just be a disaster anyway. So yeah, it's, it's better that everyone's autonomous. No, yeah, absolutely. I like that style. I've heard that, you know, leader games is a great, uh, company to work for so when you had the job postings i had uh i was like i do not qualify for this but i am so tempted to apply to apply yeah <laughs> but of course i'm like no no that's a waste of your time so i so the i think you know and i i, I don't like i don't want to cause a flood next time there's an application for it but what i will say is i i think at some point we're going to move people out of customer service um because they it's hard, you know, it's, it's a hard job and they are good at doing other things. So they start doing other things by their own initiative 
and you want to reward that. So eventually they will move out of customer service and do other things. And so that I think that sense. is, I think that is for someone that's not qualified, that is probably the best way to get into the company is to wait till the customer service job and then get in and apply yourself uh, to other things that are going on in the studio um, too. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to tell people to do uncompensated work, but um, <laughs> also <laughs> I will pay you to do the other work. So, <laughs> um, so that's, that's, yeah, I like, I get like people want to work their job descriptions and that's fine. But also um, there's just a lot of opportunity for growth if you, if you explore it. So, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I get a hundred applicants next time. There's a customer service position. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You heard it here on the board game community. So. <laughs> go after that job. It is, it, you guaranteed to progress in the company. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> so. Um, and, and there's, it, you know, and it's the most openings because we, uh, we follow the, there's some rule in business. You spend like 2% of your revenue on customer service or something like that. So that's, oh. you know, that's where you get, that's, that's going to create that many positions. So that is really interesting. I didn't, I've never heard. Yeah. I, I, I mean, don't quote me on that. I'm going to, I'm going to like, I have to go look up that number, but there is a, there is a pretty precise, like you should be aiming for this, this number. So. That is fascinating. I run my own business and I don't know anything about business. Well, you probably or... spend some money on customer service. It it's might just, just be me. your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just focus on customer relationships. So that's yeah, yeah, that's my main thing. Uh, but anyways, let's talk about you. Uh, what what are your favorite games right now? This is the hardest question. Oh my gosh, it is hard. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Return to Dark Tower, hmm, uh, yeah, which that. I think is is a pretty cool game. I like the. Um, I kind of leaned into this with one of my other designs too, and that is, if you're going to make a co-op game where things happen to the group, there's no reason to reward success at mitigating a problem, and I think I think Return to Dark Tower hits that part out of the park. You beat a monster and you get all you do is mitigate that the monsters might do something down the road. You don't draw a treasure, you don't get a cookie, you don't get you don't get experience points. You just beat that monster. That's all you did. And like there are treasures that say like or skills or virtues, I think they're called, uh, where it's like, Oh yeah, you did you defeated a monster, so you get a treasure. But there isn't anything built into the game, and I it's awesome i just you know, like you're like commit all these resources that you've earned throughout the game to beating something and then you're like oh okay well i guess that just means we won't get a bunch of skulls later which is what you need to do to win and so i, I like that part of it um and i mean in the game's all about gathering resources so why would you reward i mean it, from a design perspective it would be kind of sloppy to reward doing the other things in the game anyway because there's already plenty of ways to get resources into the game that's the point is you deciding how what and how many of each resource you're going to get need uh, during the game. So, so I like that one. Um, we started. I um, in my top ten is this game from the '70s called Cosmic Encounter. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> I, maybe <laughs> it's early. Little game. <laughs> just a little game. Maybe it's early '80s. But I'm pretty sure the end edition was late '70s. And um, I had the Mayfair edition. It was. So we would, I lived in a town an hour south of the Twin Cities uh, when I was a kid. And we would, you know, like once one of us turned 16, 
we would pool our money together, buy gas, drive up to the cities and go to game store. Cause there's no game stores in our world town. And that was, I mean, it wasn't even just about the shopping. It was just a fun day. You know, like your friends, you're in a car, you're 16, you get, you're, you know, no one's watching you. And, um, so we would go up and do that. We'd buy, and we, I'd always come back with a ton of role-playing stuff and I'd spend all my money and I, I'm sure it vexed my parents. Um, <laughs> but uh, one of those trips, I bought the Mayfair edition of Cosmic Encounter, which is in a, uh, a black box. It's got uh, the Mayfair at the time, and I this might still be true, just had a really good editing discipline. And so, like, the writing for the powers was rock solid. Like, it was very well written, very well designed. Not that the, I like the FFG edition. Uh, and so we... And that was kind of my first exposure to modern board gaming. I had played Survive before then, which is kind of a German game. Uh, the you know the game where you're trying to get the people off the island as it's sinking around you, and there's sharks and sea monsters and whales in the water uh, oh, inter- interfering yeah, yeah. with you. So that was that was that was out in the '80s. I think Parker Brothers somehow stumbled into it and had published it in America, even though it had very different aesthetic than most American games because. My one of like one of my big like is it Euro or not is that is if you can go backwards like so Monopoly I can pay fifty bucks you can pay me fifty bucks we're back to where we started but in Survive the island is sinking the island will never go back to the way it was like that is never going to happen until you start a new game and so that was probably my first exposure to like a, a more you know like a more Euro focused design um, but, uh, cosmic was my first like hobby board game that I really got into. And, and it was, I just loved it. It was 40 powers. You could play it over and over and over. And we probably, since we didn't have any other board games, um, my guess is we played it 300 times my junior and senior year of high school. Uh, like sometimes we just get together after school and play two or three games. So, uh, I recently, I have the FFG edition. I like it. It's good. It's well-designed. Uh, I think they kind of sanded off some of the more brutal, the brutal parts of the design. Uh, and it, they worked with the original designers, so it's not like they weren't involved. Um, and then they just released this expansion called Cosmic Odyssey, which is like an expansion for all the expansions for, in the game. And it also ties them all together into a kind of a legacy style campaign system that you can reset. Like, so that you can. So you play four scenarios, you play four games, and then things about the previous games contribute resources to your next game. And then the final game if you were first in any of the games you get based on which era you won, you get to bring or age, not era. Uh, you get to bring cards into the, into the final battle. And um, we've been playing one of those and I've really been enjoying it. I've just been enjoying playing cosmic again though. So I was kind of like, maybe that's just what I wanted was to play cosmic again. Um, <laughs> An excuse. Any excuse, right? yeah, excuse, yeah. Excuse to play games. Uh, I have been, um, I've been uh, really into a game called Warcry lately, which is a games workshop game. Um, which is like Warhammer kind of boiled down to just a squad of guys fighting each other in the chaos wilderness. And I, I, despite my like pacifism, I do kind of like heavy metal and that like genre of like, you know, just dudes fighting each other in a fantasy world. Um, I obviously would not want to participate in anything like that, nor would I want anyone to participate in anything like that for real, but uh, in a fantasy setting, it's fine. Uh, and so I, I really like Warcry. I used to play a lot of Warhammer in my early 20s, and I like what I like about Warcry is because every piece can move individually, it's 
it's like you have more pieces than when you're playing Warhammer. Because in Warhammer, basically every unit has to move together. So you only have you have 100 models on the table, but you only have five pieces on the table because they're going to have to move together as a group. And But in Warcry, you can have 10 models or 15 models on the table, and they all can move and do things individually. And then what I also really like about it is that the... Um, uh, I, like, if this is too long winded of explanation of Warcry. Just go ahead and, go ahead and stop me. Um, <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> all right. So you roll dice for initiative every turn. There's six dice. And then any doubles or triples or quads, like so... You know, like sets of sets of dice that match. You 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 can pick them up and use them to power your abilities based on which group you are, which characters you have. And what I like about that compared to Warhammer is if Warhammer, if you're being ten wizards, all those wizards can cast a spell, and that can really bog the game down. But with Warcry, it's like you can only activate two or three of your special abilities a turn, and so then there's a very tactical decision of like, well, if I use a double here, I cannot activate the double for another character over here. And then said, so you got to really, and even if you get that one good model, that's like, Oh, he's got this really good double. You may not still get to activate it every turn. You don't even roll a double. I mean, you, statistically you are, but um, maybe you roll two triples and you're like, well, I don't want to spend a triple on this double, you know? So there's, there's a lot of good decision making there and I like it. And I also really like, I hate painting miniatures, um, but I love painting scenery and it's just my eyesight. I would love painting miniatures. I just, I have to be like this to, of course your viewers cannot, your, or your listeners will not be able to see me putting the miniature directly in front of my eye. Um, yeah. but I, I inside just, of your eye, inside of my eye. I just, <laughs> I with, even with a ton of magnification and reading glasses, I just, I just don't enjoy painting miniatures anymore. Um, but I do, I still really enjoy scenery and that's given me a lot of, uh, ability to paint scenery. So I'm playing that. Um, I remember seeing early on you painting like trees and stuff and I was like, oh, that's awesome. But I never saw you paint miniatures. So I, now I know why. And now, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I try, I have like 25 or so I've been working on, but mostly I just, um, buy them on eBay painted or things like that so that's also yeah. easy to do with Warcry because it's like i just need 10 models of a certain uh, certain group and i'm good there um yeah but the trees i can dry brush until i'm and I'm, I'm i love it and i i, I just like getting in, into that so so i did that uh we've been playing the crew um yeah i um i got back into choose your own adventure oh nice i don't know if that's a game um, but the Van Ryder, those books they have with the comic book, they're the comic books, um, they're graphic novels, sorry, not comic books. And they have like, they're like, you know, each panel is like, go to this panel or go to this panel, you know, based on what your decision is or which way you're going. And it's really cool. Like if it's a door, they'll just put the number on the door and then you can walk through the, you know, it's like page 121. Okay. is on that door. So if I go oh, fun. 121, I know it's on the inside of that door now. And uh, so I, I, I really got back into those. And then um, I recently tracked down from the 80s, early 90s, there's this series called Lone Wolf, which is like a, it's like a choose your own adventure style kind of adventure. But the guy who designed it had played D&D a lot and he wanted to kind of create a, a solo way to play D&D. And so you actually, oh, right. you develop a character in it there's, and you choose from a list of powers that the, the Kai Lords, which is what the character is, uh, can, can develop and you have combat skills and endurance. And, um, and then you, you have, like, if you get into battle, you have to fight out like kind of a, you know, RPG style battle. And they're very simple compared to like D and D for instance, because I have to be your one character and it has to be resolvable very quickly. 
Um, but I, uh, I recently, um, I started reading about them again. They've been doing, they've been re-releasing them. Uh, and then I just happened to track down somebody who's selling the first 20 of the paperbacks from the eighties. So I purchased them all. Um, and I've been reading those. <laughs> so, so I'm willing to that. Um, I like that a lot. So, but yeah, I, I try and play a lot of, I try and play a wide range of stuff. Even though it seems like I'm kind of focused on adventure and I'm like kind of looking around my office. We just moved offices so my collection in my office is actually pretty spare because i um i kind of cut down uh the clutter in my office to kind of help me focus a little bit better uh-huh. uh, so i don't have a lot of games here right now i have a lot of games at home of course but um yeah i played all the kingdom rush last winter the kind of cooperative game um based on the kingdom rush video game series I like that and um do you do you prefer co-op or I, just because of the group I have at home, I do prefer co-op now. And we played, yeah. um, we've played Unfathomable, uh, the BSG reboot, and I like that a winner. Those are co-op, so yeah, I suppose I do like co-op. So I don't design <laughs> it though; it's kind of weird. I know. I was just thinking that I was like, not you know, it's not uh, what you're designing, but that's okay. I have worked on two, but that was in the, you know, that was during the practice period, so I haven't, I haven't got back to them. So. Yeah. Do you yeah. think you'll ever go back, or do you think you'll dabble back in it? I just don't see. And we talked about this during the design chat last time, and somebody asked in the audience if I would do a co-op if we do a co-op game. And I, 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 my problem with it is like if I went to a mystery writer and asked him to write sci-fi, which I guess has happened. I mean, uh, like Philip K. Dick, didn't he start as a mystery writer and ended up? And his, even his sci-fi novels are a bit like it bit like beats from a mystery novel uh-huh. um but i wouldn't i wouldn't ask my design group to finish a co-op game with me oh yeah yeah so so i think that's kind of my like my development group that's kind of my concern about it's like is it relevant to our skills and people you know some of the audience said well you're some of the best designers in the world so you probably can pull it off and i was like yeah but I, yeah, I just like I'm enjoying working on paths, so I'm gonna keep working on paths for now. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't. I think, especially during the pandemic, a lot of co-op uh, games kind of had a rise. And, yeah, yeah, and solo and everything. You and know, solo, yeah, and I do I like solo Oak quite a bit. So. And, yeah. Um, do you play very many solo games? Yeah, I do. I so I played Kingdom Rush primarily solo. Um, I played. Um, I really like this series called Onrim. The, oh okay yeah the one or two player game by um i'm not gonna try and pronounce his name i'm sorry i and i've even exchanged emails with him um so yeah i play play owner room and that's a series so there's a bunch of other games where the designer had explored other mechanics inside the framework of making a one or two player game in that setting uh and i so i have all those and i i owner room is definitely in my top 10 uh and i do i do like it a but a lot there's an app for it, and I tried the app, and I my problem with it was that people are like, oh, it's great because you can play a game really fast. And I was like, well, that's not why I play Onerum. I play it as kind of a meditative activity. And so, like, putting it, making a meditative activity faster didn't really, <laughs> those weren't really combining for me. So, um, yeah. also, it keeps track of your stats. And I was just like, again, I can win a fair amount when I'm playing live, and that's fine. I, you know, maybe. Maybe I'm cheating. Maybe I'm not. You don't know. But like, um, 
But I just don't need a stat for a meditative game. So again, that just kind of flew in the face of why I played the game. So I, 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 I actually uninstalled the app. Um, and it, it's a great app. Well designed, well done, well implemented. I just wasn't for me. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I do. I do play uh, a bit of a bit of solo games, and I do. Um, I probably have a little bit of a backlog growing there, and I. Um, yeah, and it just comes from. Um, I get why people solo game. I respect that. Part of it for me is it comes out of a, as a child, I would play a lot of games by myself because I was the youngest child. My parents, my, you know, my brothers were in school. Um, so I would just be like, my, you know, my mom didn't want to play games with me because she had other things to do. And so I would, you know, I would like sit down and play life with four cars, you know, and I just multi-hand life or something like that. And you know, like, and I tried multi-handing Clue one time, and I was like, "Oh, that's <laughs> that's actually not going to work because I know who I know who did it after one pass through the <laughs> through the cards." Because <laughs> I used yeah. to have a, I used to have a crazy memory like that, and um, but yeah, you know, I'd play chess by myself. I'd make up little war games and play them by myself, and um, I'd play. I was big into crossbows and catapults as a kid, which I think got a kind of a resurgence in the early two thousands. So for me, sometimes solo gaming just means if the game doesn't have much hidden information, I sit down and play it two-handed by myself. Well, yeah. um, but then as as solo got better, like things like Owner and Design specifically to be solitaire, um, then it then that kind of that kind of hooked with me so a little bit. I do have one design. Uh, I called it Lone, which is four letters, um, and I have play tested it a few times. That is that is solo and I, I wouldn't mind going back and releasing that sometime. Um, and it's just about a guy who's at a cabin in the woods and a creature attacks his cabin. And then he's got to like gather the supplies together to get off the mountain he's on or to defeat the creature, uh, before, by the end of the week. And, uh, I was, I started working on it in a way that like you would go to places and you would, you would go to places and draw, you fight a dragon cards. You know, obviously dragons weren't in the setting, but, you know, you'd go to a place and you find an ice shelf you have to climb onto to get some gear. And so I wanted to write the cards in a way that, like, if the person wanted to, they could go into a supplemental book and read, you know, like the card would say, read entry 17. And so then you'd go read 17 out of the book and get a little bit of story. But you didn't have to, that wasn't on the card, so you didn't have to see it every time you went through the deck. So oh, that's like, once, you, once you'd read it, you'd be like, okay, I don't, you know, I know what the story here is. I'm just going to do the skill resolution and move on with it. And then my at the at the time before legacy legacy games hadn't really caught on yet, and I think I've always espoused to Cole, and I think Cole agrees, and Arcs reflects this that I don't really like games that destroy the components. But if there's a way to reset it, like Oath or like Arcs, um, you know, that was that was a goal of ours. And so in Lone, I was going to say like every time we defeat a scenario, you know, there's a new scenario that comes along, and so that it's somehow a little bit more challenging. There's a new location, maybe there's ghosts on the paths, you know, things like that, so that uh, you can keep playing it until you have a certain win record, and then you move on to the next level. And so then you kind of you're able to kind of tailor like what is the ideal experience for me as a player, so that I have the I have the challenge I want to. Because I think in co-op play and solo play. You're, how often you're defeated is a very subjective thing. I don't mind being defeated 80% of the time by a co-op game, and, but I know some people are like, no, I would rather have it that we win 90% of the time. I don't want to know that I have a shot every time. So, um, And so that's kind of like, I was, I kind of wanted to make a way so players could kind of calibrate their own experience during the, during it. So, But I haven't gotten back to that. So. 
so oh, I, yeah, I do like I like really solo cool. quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would be interested in that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that a lot. I have to make a game that's interesting out of it, though. Is is the is the uh, is the problem? So <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to me because I always like I des- designed it and I had a prototype I liked, and I was like, is this? It's a different approach for me because, like in Root, there's a certain amount of complexity to playing a role. In Vast, there's a certain amount of complexity to playing a role. And what is a tolerable amount of complexity for a solo game? I think is a very different question that I haven't answered for myself yet. Mm-hmm. And I part of it is that once I hit 40, and maybe even before then, but the, most of my solo games have been in my 40s, is that I need... People talk about like the downtime in a game is intolerable, but I actually really think downtime is important to let you reset a little bit, to think about what you're going to do next, to reflect on what's going on. And maybe to anticipate in horror as your opponent is doing things in the game. And when you're playing solo, there's a danger of if you made the game as complex as Root, for instance, that you never have any downtime to kind of reset or relax your brain a little bit. And it's I I find myself getting bored when I'm playing a game that complex alone. And I think that the boredom is literally just my, your brain saying, I cannot be up this long. You need to go do something else. Go stretch go run around the block, go eat something. <laughs> um, get, just get me away from thinking about this thing. And it's not, it's, that's not a conscious thing. It's just your brain has limitations. And so, and I think to design a well-designed solo game stays under that threshold. So owner has a flow to it and it's very simple decisions. It's all very naturalistic design. And by naturalistic, I mean, you're not stopping to read text very often in, at all. If, if you know the rules uh, once you, once you're going with owner. And so I think, that is, uh, I think that is important to, ma- uh, to maintaining that the one or two player game state is to is to make sure the downtime and the complexity are in sync with each other. So, that's a, me. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I don't think I've ever really thought about that. Where mm-hmm. like, you know, you've got a lot of games. Uh, I, I've got Sleeping Gods right behind me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. It has like the saves system, so you can just be like, all right, I'm good right here. We'll continue next time, um, so I can like call it at a certain point if I'm playing solo or. Did you play solo? I'm sorry. Uh, I play with my wife. Oh, you did. Play. Yeah. So you know, it's a low player count. And yeah. what do you think about the uptime? I it, like. I think it's pretty. Uh, I think it's good. Okay. When she's taking her turn and everything. Um, right. But usually, I'm helping her. So we usually don't play very long. I guess is the thing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the other part too. Yeah, I'll spend like an hour setting it up, and then, you know, we'll play for maybe an hour, and then I'll clean it all up, which probably takes even longer because then I have to be even more careful putting it away than setting it up. The fantasy for me is Sleeping Gods. I own it. I have not gotten to it yet. I read the rules. I thought this is cool. I like what's going on here, um, and I did back the next one. So I'm yeah. interested. Because I think that's going to ship with like the kind of like the prequel, like the one on the river. Yeah, which um, seems like a much shorter, easier. Lo- yeah. So I think I'm going to use that to introduce it to my spouse, and she's. I, I'm. I'm not. No disrespect. She is as much of a gamer, and for video games more than I am. Um, <laughs> but it's just you know, it's just the rigors of adult life. It's like, uh, she's kind of gotten out of the habit of playing games, but I think that's how we're going to like, that's how we're going to learn it and then decide if we want to commit to the, to the longer, to the longer, uh, campaign. And I, we could be playing it right now cause it's on TTS. Um, 
and that was the intention of it was that it would teach people to play the game so yeah but the fantasy for me is if we do play it is that we just find a week where we're not going to meet that weekend set it up on sunday night let it sit for two weeks while we're playing it you know chipping away at it every night and then finishing it and putting it away instead of having to set it up for an hour yeah i have cats so my like this game does not work for me to like i would love to be able to set it up over the weekend and like come and play for 30 40 minutes and then eat and do something else come back at it but the cats would absolutely destroy that <laughs> they'd be laying in it rolling around yes. yeah so pieces uh, would be gone never to be seen again yeah our cat yeah. wouldn't do that some for some reason i think we just disciplined him a lot initially so he does not interfere with games he will interfere with the game if we're playing it um because he wants attention but it's just sitting there he would he would leave it alone so <laughs> good cat oh good wow, cat yeah yeah now the dog might put her head up on the table and pull something down so we'll figure out if that's going to be an issue or not fortunately oh. our gaming tables we have a family room in our basement and we wouldn't let the dog she's a puppy so we wouldn't let her down there unescorted anyway so oh that makes sense she yeah. might poop on the carpet or, or, or whatever so yeah. yeah as puppies do as puppies do yeah uh well at this point let's go outside of board gaming what do you like to do <laughs> uh i game a lot <laughs> so uh for me um one of my like when people ask me what my hobbies are i say like i try and find more extreme ways to do my hobby so that first of all i am i acknowledge i'm chasing a dragon like that's i get that like i i I like trying you know like i want the 24 person game of two rooms and a boom in my house because i want to play a game with 24 players because that's cool uh, and that's a new experience to me, and that makes me feel like I did when I was playing games when I was younger. Um, so there, there is that. But like, also because now I have that experience of playing a twenty-four player game, and there's something that I can use in my design arsenal that I learned, you know, from that game. And so, like, I'm always trying to. You know, I've I've played large games of Warhammer when I was in my twenties. I've I've uh, I played D and D for a week straight a couple of years ago, uh, and things like that. So I'm always trying to like kind of push that envelope, and that's time consuming to be able to do that sort of thing. So I do play a lot of video games. Um, I tend to stick to strategy games that you can lose. Uh, so like I play Stellaris, which I haven't lost in a while, but there is a possibility of a lose date in Stellaris and endless legend and civilization. Like it is possible that you could get your country wiped out. Whereas I think a lot of action games, it just feels like you keep trying things over and over until you can pass them, which is again, yes. if that's what you want to do, uh, no problem. That's, 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 that is, it's just not what, it's not what I enjoy uh, about, but I still play, and I still play action games. Uh, so I do a lot of that. I, I role play, as I discussed. Um, I, do you have a favorite role play system? Yeah, yeah, I do. I um, uh, So we've been playing a lot of 5e. That was funny because we kind of like, in high school, we like stopped playing D&D altogether. And we didn't play, that was like in the 90s. And I played a lot of White Wolf in the 90s. And, um, and then got into the early 2000s and was playing all these like cool, you know, I played like Nobilis and um, we got back to White Wolf. We uh, played, I don't know, we played back then Sorcerer. We played, uh, we played GURPS Transhuman. We played Eclipse Phase. Um, so we, we, had a, we had a lot of systems under our belt. But at some point when the Pathfinder module started coming out, 
and I became interested in kind of long form campaign again. And so we switched back to D and D because it was just easier as adults to implement a pre can module for D and D. So, uh, and that experiment's gone on a little bit too long. Uh, I've we played <laughs> so we'll we'll leave D and D for a while, play something else, and we'll come back to D and D. So I do. I still play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I still like dungeon crawling despite its uh, colonial theme. Uh, and I think with fifth edition and with the the like them talking about changing the rules again, I've always been like embracing the new rule set. Like that was also part of like we got the Pathfinder because you know before it was the Pathfinder system, it was just D and D modules. Uh, I wanted to play three E because I hadn't played I hadn't played third edition at all. And um, at some point, I was like, at some point recently, I was like, I think I've had enough embracing new systems. I have five editions of D and D. I actually like 13th Age, which is a spinoff of 4th edition anyway, better than all the other editions of D&D. Um, nice. So I have my rule set. I'm in my late 40s. I'm okay if I don't learn a new system at this point. Like, So I'm kind of... And, uh, you know, of course, 6th edition is going to come out, and I will embrace it three years after it comes out, because that's how I am. But uh, and, I, and, and part of that resistance now is just like, there's a lot of other good systems out there, and I should be playing them, and I need to get back to them. So um, I really like Blades in the Dark. Uh, for modern mm-hmm. systems, have, have you heard of Blades in the Dark? Yeah, I. Yeah. That's on. That's probably the next one I'll buy. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I it's like. It's not I, even expensive. It's no, it's like twenty or thirty bucks. I like. Yeah. So I like Blades in the, and there's no supplements. Uh, so except for just new books in different settings, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, so I, I really like Blades in the Dark, and I like all of its offshoots. There's there's a bunch of really cool stuff that's being done. Um, the uh, Rubble Crown, which is where the um, the players are all like uh, one player is like a deposed noble and you're trying to get back to being in control of your kingdom and you get to this or kingdom or duchy or whatever. And like, you just, you make a character and you could be like, no, I want to get back on the throne because I'm a tyrant or I want to get back on the throne because you know, the, the current guy's a tyrant or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do with that. And then all the other players then are like people in your exiled court. You know, so it's like, you know, here's the doctor, here's your, warlord here's your you know here's uh last time i played it i played like a bandit that was just working for i was just like i just want the new administration in so i can get a pardon basically was my was my character you know for that so so i like that um copperhead county uh, is like another offshoot of it which is um kind of a modern crime fantasy like gta where it's like you know GTA is not really about crime. It's about your fantasy of crime. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not, that's not really how reality works. Um, and so it's kind of copyright canon is kind of based on that, uh, kind of that, that idyllic, I guess, <laughs> view of crime. I guess, I guess, <laughs> uh, Blades in the Dark is also, uh, kind of a, um, a, a view you're of crime that's not realistic. Heist, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're planning a heist, but, you know, people are losing stuff and getting yes. hurt and it's not really yeah it's not really something you'd want to do in real life so uh yeah, yeah i like those i like those a lot and then my friend um one of my friends is really he collects a lot of systems so he's into really into all the money cook stuff like um uh numera numenera and and those and he wants to come and uh, all the fate system offshoots so he wants to come and teach those to us he's just been busy with his career so it's um so it's it's hard for him to come and want to run something so and then we also um played a very long campaign a friend of mine just designed all the mechanics for and we played it for like four years and he had the whole story pre-planned to the point that like every time the story branched he knew what both branch was on both branches and would not 
reuse that material. So if we chose not to do something, then it was gone from the, it was paired out of the campaign. And I was like, that took so much willpower because I'd have been like, no, I got this cool idea. I'm dragging it back over to where you are in the story. And that's, that's tough. Um, yeah. I just, I, I've always been impressed by his fortitude and we got to the end of the story and the ending was based on the things that we'd done in the campaign. And it, it felt very like a video game in that sense, but like also like it was really cool. I really, I really, uh, I really appreciate his effort there. So, um, yeah. So, so we do that. Uh, otherwise, you know, I got kids, so I play with my kids and um, try and exercise to stay healthy. I love, I do like exercise. I just don't make the right time for it. So, I'm, yeah, I'm really that's into true. yoga. My daughter and I do uh, go to a class together. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. So. That's really fun. I think I'm going to hire, I'm going to try and hire our teacher to come to the company once a week and lead a yoga over lunch or something like that. So, Oh, that's fun. Session. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So that's a cool place to work. Leader games. Leader games. I'm working <laughs> our customer service department. Just kidding. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Uh, I know we're doing a little bit over time. Yeah, that's fine. <clears throat> okay. I've got two more segments, if that's all okay, right. Yeah, it's totally fine. I'm I'm being long-winded. No, I love it. It's a good guest. People are going to love listening to this. <sighs> so this next part is ridiculous theme. So we come up with a ridiculous theme for a board game. I'm into this. Yes. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I didn't even warn you. Sometimes I warn people and sometimes I don't. I'm but, ready. Uh, oh, you got one? No, I'm ready. I'm ready for oh, you. Okay, oh, yeah. you're going to present me something, right? Sure. Yeah. We usually I do one each. So you come up with something. I come up with something. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, let's see. Shoot. Normally I think of something while we're talking, but I've been listening. Uh, okay. To I'm going to start so then. Yeah. So, uh, okay. my, my wife yesterday was, um, this is, this is going to be a bit of a cop out. Uh, so I, I'm really not like real big on licensed things. Uh, and people like question comes up to me a lot. What would you do if you could license a game? And I, I'm like, i I just want the thing to exist the way it existed. Um, uh, and I, I've had some opportunities presented to me and I've, you know, like kind of pushed them a little bit and I said, no, it's, that's fine. And obviously we did work on bunkers and badass. And so we've done one license, but that was more to see what it was like. And, um, so, uh, I watched the, so she had a tough day yesterday with, with her toddler. And she's like, I just want to shut my brain off and watch a stupid movie. We watched a lot of, I should have listened to that as a hobby. We watch a lot of films. Um, so we watched the 2021 Mortal Kombat yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's that's a movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a thing that happened. But I, I like the idea of, uh, it, you know, and I, I think you'd want to frame it in a way that avoids ori- Orientalism, uh, which Mortal Kombat clearly steered, steered into. Um but like, I do want the like, okay, you're a bunch of fighters who are going to participate in a tournament between two worlds as a role-playing game. So like, and then it's like, so you, what's your outlandish backstory that you are the best fighter in the world is obviously how the character design for Mortal Kombat worked because they needed very distinct <laughs> look and feel to the characters on the screen. So their stories are just, I, I read some of them last night. And I was like, I forgot how bananas these backstories are. And it's amazing. And then what's your special, like, so your fighting style, make up some moves in that fighting style. And then what is your, you know, do you have a hat with the 
with a razor blade on its rim? Do you throw fireballs? You know, do you, can you hook somebody and pull them towards you? What's your ridiculous? You're going to come up with something unique when you design your characters. And then it could just be one session, you know, just like players, maybe they fight the evil team. They fight the other old invaders or whatever like that. So yeah, very, very based on this other, um, this other property, but that's, that's okay. That's okay with me. Uh, but you know, it's obviously, you know, it'd be great if you had the Mortal Kombat license, if you did that, but I think it would be fine. Just as like the tournament of heroes or something like that. And the players can, players can fight each other or the, uh, or the game master characters. And then you just have these completely, I think someone else would have to play the enemy fighters. So the GM didn't have to do everything, but it'd be like, here's, you know, in the tournament bracket, you're now fighting so-and-so here's that character for you. You know, now describe the fight you have and, and, not even not many dice rolls just let the just let the description kind of carry the carry you through the fight so and then maybe the characters that aren't present in the fight can interfere or cheer you on or throw you a chair or something like that that you can hit the other other characters with so um so there there's my outlandish plot for the day i love it that's that's pretty darn funny (laughs) well that inspired mine okay Uh, so your turn thinking of bad movies uh-huh. Uh, making a bad movie that still makes money. So essentially, the producers, right? Isn't that yeah, yeah, yeah? The, I love it. The plot of the producers. So yeah. like, you have to put together some sort of movie that will still draw in a crowd, but not do well. Uh, but not do too well. That you have to make a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, so uh, you can do the worst without going bankrupt or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's finding that line of like going negative or positive and whoever gets the closest to being, you know, neutral. Okay. So now I'm going to riff on you. You ready? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. So (laughs) it's a two for everybody. Um, So clerks three, do you know the premise of clerks three? I don't know. Clerks three. No. Uh, So it it just, it just came out, I think. Uh, And the premise of it is that the characters from clerks one, they're, you know, they're my age, they're, they're middle-aged and they are, um, the character Randall, I think is coming to terms with the fact that he worked at a convenience store his whole life and he wanted to do other things. And so they, um, and that actor has directed a few movies. And so the clerks three is about them directing a movie that is them filming the story from clerks one. So they're kind of make they're kind of retelling their own story in inside of the movie, and oh, I wow. I don't know if it's good. I haven't seen it. Um, uh, but what I would so now what I want to do is make a game about creating vast, so that, oh. can, so that I can relive the experience of creating vast on a board game. <laughs> so so I'll riff on that a little bit. So, so oh my gosh. I, <laughs> we gotta make money it's not the producers you gotta make money so you can launch the company that that makes root down the road so yeah. that's funny that's really funny too i like that one i'm gonna have to i may I'm gonna have to pencil that one out today so <laughs> hey a productive uh chat here <laughs> that's right? a productive chat. Every chat. if one thing comes out of this <laughs> uh oh so I didn't bring this up, uh, but or and it was on my list. I told you before we started, but yeah, you know, I do the bunkers and badasses actual play. So uh, and I've looked through an amazing coincidence. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Leader Games is obviously on there, in there, and everything. And I've tagged mm-hmm. Leader Games in a few of their posts and stuff. And I think right. I always write thanks to Nirvana and Leader Games. So, mm-hmm. um, but what what was the rule in, that you guys had? Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, um, so we mostly what we offered initially was that we would do the, um, just the parts that Nerdvana didn't weren't able to fill in, and so we we kind of showed them the ropes. We mentored them on how to produ- how to produce and the logistics part of it, uh, and then they they kind of took over by the time it got to fulfillment. So. But we helped them get into the factory and get the you know get the right price and get the you know and choose the materials and how it's going to be how it's going to be produced. And that was all nice. Our previous production manager Marshall did that, and then he wanted some developer experience, so he did a lot of the he hired the designer Ian Moss, and then yeah. he did he did he did a lot of development and the playtesting was done here. I, it, I mean on Discord, but it was done with our staff, and then. Um, and then they worked closely together during that process to make sure that the um, that was what they wanted, and they did some playtesting development on their side, and then um, you know, and then obviously the layout and like the art was all from all from Nirvana. So yeah, we we're we we're pretty involved, um, and no like no regrets. I really I enjoyed the project. Um, I enjoyed the what came out of it. Um, I think if I I probably I feel like I should have played the game more as a product now that it's out, uh, that I have had time for. Um, but I, you know, cause I, a long time ago, I was working on my own just notes for like how I would do borderlands is, you know, either as an RPG or it's just kind of like a, you know, the kind of descent style dungeon crawler. If I, if I had to, if I had to make, uh, if I was tasked with making borderlands, uh, and I wrote up my own, like, you know, like script for like on the other side of the planet, on the other side of Pandora, this is what's going on. These people are involved in this, you know, I, um, and so I was starting to generate man story for that. So I have material for it. I could definitely play the game. I just haven't had a chance to get around to playing it. So, um, beyond, beyond the testing that I participated <laughs> in. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, so yeah. So, but, uh, what was the original question? I'm, I'm so lost. What here. the role was. Oh, what the role was. Yeah. 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 So oh, hopefully yeah. that answers that. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, yeah, like I said, we really, we really enjoyed working on it with them. Um, I enjoyed, um, meeting them, working with their team. Um, just, uh, but it was, it was mostly Marshall, um, uh, that, that did, uh, the development on that. So now, now Marshall's working at Direwolf games on, uh, yeah. Clank and other things. So that's awesome. Yeah. Ian Moss is great. I've, I've had him on and on both, podcasts he's yeah yeah so ian um ian and then his friend he used to work close with john gilmore um yeah i, I hang out with john quite a bit um online and they're um, they're great yeah. they're doing a podcast together right now fun balanced yes have you heard it i have not listened not to, to put it you. yet <laughs> yeah no I, oh, oh, oh uh yeah, yeah. I, I really, um, um we can pretend like you did no well no because i did used to listen to their they had that live show too that i would i would tune into um it was always before a staff meeting so i'd have to drop out halfway halfway through it but but they had, they had a call-in show for a while that was kind of fun oh yeah that's, the, that's the, kind the, of a fun format yeah john and i have to we joke a lot about so we used to play um this video game called raft together it's like a co-op survival game uh-huh. um on it's like a you know kind of first person style video game and um we joked about having we would do a a, a call-in show where 
we would be playing Raft. And you could just, like, if you watched it on Twitch, that's what you saw. You saw my perspective in Raft. And then we'd be talking over it. Because I used to, we would get together, and once the once the game became easy enough for us to, like, you know, we're just going, you know, just doing activity or we're in a flow state in the game, we would talk about design. So that was, like, that was the joke, is, like, you could come on as a designer, and then we'd have Raft Chat, where you could talk to us about, about your design project or, or if you're having design issues, we would try and help you through them while like also fishing and, you know, making the boat go and, and landing on islands and, and, and uh, gathering resources. Uh, and so then like, if you're on raft chat, you gotta, you gotta do something, you know, like you gotta, you gotta build something or you gotta go fishing or, or whatever. So you can't just, you can't just hang out with us on raft chat. So, uh, but yeah. we, we never, we, we've not got the one off the ground probably cause we're busy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fun though. That sounds really fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that is it. Unless, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, but we should plug things though. Right. Yes, that's okay. the that's the second to last bit. The third okay. the thing at the very very end. Okay, uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, go ahead and plug. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, uh, we're hard at work on arcs right now. Uh, uh, Colin, most of the design team. I, uh, you know, I, I have some creative input, but uh, mostly I play test. And uh, but I've really been enjoying the uh, the product that uh, I've been enjoying arcs. Uh, that's coming out of that. You can still. Uh, pre-order, I think it's the same offer as the Kickstarter. You can still pre-order uh, through Backend Kit. You can still get uh, ARCs. ARCs is our two to four player, two to four, three to four player, excuse me. Uh, three to four player uh, kind of campaign style game. Not quite legacy um, because you can reset it. You play two or three, two to four scenarios and then you come back to the base and start playing the base again. Um, and Or you can play arcs just as a standalone game there's like kind of a root more root style version of the game that doesn't have the campaign components to it and uh yeah it's our it's kind of our 4x you know space empire space building game and um has an element of the actions are i it, we said trick taking early on but i don't think we're using trick taking anymore it's but the way you play the cards decides what actions you can do on your turn and uh that's been a very fascinating component i find it very vexing myself i want more freedom than the game offers me, but that's that's just the style of person I am. And uh, but I, I, people really enjoy it. Cole really enjoys it. Staff really enjoys it. I really enjoy it. I just find the, the how the way the actions, which is good. It's good the actions the actions you have in a game. You have to make decisions, and that's that's yes. <laughs> I just find it. Fascinating. There's times where you're like, I really, I really want to do this, not do what the rest of the group is doing right now. So, but that's yeah. that's the game is you have to learn to adapt to what the group is doing. Uh, so we have uh, arcs is coming um, uh, sometime in 2023, and then uh, we are also are just about to ship, um, or we are in the process of shipping Ahoy to stores. Uh, and so Ahoy is by Greg Loring Albright, and it is our uh, asymmetric uh, kind of seafaring adventure game. Um, I try and avoid piracy because there's actually not a ton of piracy going on in the game, despite what people want to project down to it. And the, so the players, it's an asymmetric game. The player, some, one of the players is playing a uh, kind of an, kind of an Imperial Navy that's kind of man- trying to manage and police the area. Someone's playing some rebels in the area. And then the third and fourth player are playing uh, smugglers who are smuggling goods around between the islands. And they shape the map because they create, by the more trade they do, the more valuable certain islands in the map will become. And then the other two players will fight for control of, the, control of this. So. And that is, uh, that's just what hit stores. And I, our pre-order is still open on our website for that. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Patrick, for chatting with me. I had a lot of fun getting to know you a bit. Uh, I'll have links in the episode description to ARC's pre-order page and anything else relevant like social media, etc. If you're interested in some other things that I am a part of, then you can check out this last Wednesday. I did a stream on the Tabletop Express, and it was a live play, and I anticipate that it will be really fun and that I will have definitely won. So go check that out. This Monday night, September 26th, I will be doing a live stream later in the evening. That's at starting at 10 p.m. Mountain Time with the Board Game Captain and Board Game Gran. Those are always fun. It's called Board Game Insight. It's over on the Board Game Captain's YouTube channel. And we'll be talking about terrible games that we love. And Patrick and I briefly talked about the Borderlands RPG, Bunkers and Badasses. I've got that actual play podcast called Friend and Foe Adventure Co. You can go and check that out wherever you are listening to this podcast. It is explicit, though, so you have been warned. And that is it. Until next time, keep nerding out. So, um, yeah, so I think for me, the... um... All credit to Root, because it's definitely our bestseller, and it's definitely doing, uh, it's definitely going to carry us to the next couple of years. But uh, when I was working on Vast alone, didn't have a job, I, I uh, left my job at the college, and it was just months of like really hard work alone. Half the day, I'd have to work on business stuff. Half the day, I'd have to work on design stuff constantly trying to get things iterate trying to get back, things back to playtesting i didn't have a studio so like playtesting was like you know i'd have to get my friends over two or three nights a week to, to do some playtesting and um, just a lot went into it and so by the time we started the kickstarter it was a lot of stress it was a lot very you know it was like a lot of money and time committed into that and just in terms of like not working as much as i could have that year i was consulting after I left my job. So unfortunately I was able to bill at a rate that I could you know, kind of, kind of float our family for a bit every time I consulted. And, uh, and so like, I didn't have any feedback beyond the Gen Con before the Kickstarter and with the public. And when I went to Gen Con the next year, I had uh vaster crystal caverns in hand. That was, uh, I believe Gen Con 2016. Uh, was the year that we went we, we arrived there with 500 copies of the game and um you know i like i i've been mentored into the industry by james manthe who uh passed away a couple of years ago and he told me after the show he was like you know i i think a show is really good if i sell 30 to 50 copies of each title they bring and um we sold a couple hundred the first two days of the show and we're doing pretty good. And I, I didn't even realize at the moment, I was just like, Oh, okay. You, you know, you come to Gen Con, you sell games. So great. Uh, and then, um, uh, I, we had randomly popped, ran into Tom Vassell, uh, the, uh, Wednesday night for the show. And we taught him how to play vast. And cause he was trying to figure it out the show. And I was like, you're not going to be able to read an 18 page rule book and figure this game is asymmetric. I didn't say that to him, but like, I was like, this is going to be a disaster. Cause I, and I know other people have tried this. It's not going to work for him. So I, I offered to teach him and he's like, normally I don't let people teach me how to play games at, especially at a show, but 
Um, and I, I get that. It's probably part of his review process is he wants to read the rules and determine how good the rules are at, uh, at making the game work and, or at, at learning the game. And so I sat down and I, I taught his I taught his associates and his family how to play fast, and they played it. And I, you know, I was like, okay, I think you're, you know, I think you're good. I'll, I'll take off. And um, I didn't have any feedback on that experience, and um, except for them being grumpy because they had flown that day, and you know, it was it was a long day for them. No, again, totally fine. Uh, and so then uh, the um, uh, David Somerville was at that show with us. He went to watch uh, Tom Bassel's show on Saturday morning because I do a live episode at the sh- at the. So I don't know if they do that anymore, um, but they do a live episode of the show every year. And uh, and somebody top of the show, the MC said, "So, four of you on stage, what is your favorite thing about um, Gen Con so far this year? Like, what's what's the thing that you found that you like?" And Tom just flat out said, "I just tried this game called Bass Crystal Caverns, and it is something else, and everyone needs to try it." And I got a text from David saying, "Bat in the hatches," and. As soon as the show was over, we sold out. There was 30, 50 people at our booth, and we just ground through the rest, the other 100 or so in, in 20, 30 minutes. And it was amazing. And I'm like tearing up thinking about it. And, um, and then we, um, all I could do, like people were coming up and demanding it. And I still had 500 left in the warehouse. I put them up for sale on our website because we had, a, we had like 50 on our website for sale. And those had sold out. And I put their other 500 up on the website. And uh, they were sold Wednesday by Wednesday morning after the show. They're all gone. So I sold 1,000 of a game, which uh, my previously two published games had sold. Um, I think Trick or Treat just finally sold 1,000 copies. So I, you know, in six days, I sold 1,000 copies of a game. And um, I was just, like, blown away. And I knew things, after all that hard work, after everything we'd done, the game was getting good reviews positive reviews and we were getting and and the, and then i just sold a thousand copies in a period of a week and i knew things were going to be fine after that so that was it for me mm-hmm.